to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. I want to introduce you to the church. There's a lot of people, and, and whoever's listening, there's a lot of people that I don't think know you guys. Y'all are relatively, I guess, new kind of to the, to the church. But uh, I would like everybody to, to, to know Amy and Johnny Crowley. I see that your full name didn't fit on there. Sorry about that. <laughs> so y'all doing all right today? Doing great. Doing Thanks, well. Trent. Well, I really appreciate you guys, you know, uh, coming and being a part of this. Um, I kind of want to tell the audience kind of how we met and why I decided that I needed to have you guys here the moment I heard you. So y'all recently, so we recently had somebody come and speak, I guess in the summer sometime about coming around foster families. And you guys have uh, a special experience in that. So after the service, we all kind of con- congregated and then y'all began to share your testimony. And I mean, y'all made my eyes wet. <laughs> and uh, so I, I first just want to just kind of, you know, introduce you guys. So Amy, you uh, are from the Amarillo area, grew up around here. I pre- yes. Okay. Yes. So, and you, did you go to you, Canyon High School, is that what you told me? I did go to Canyon High, yes. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you when you graduated. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> is that all right? That's good. That's good? Um, no, and then, so, but you also are from this area. I am. I grew, grew up in Canyon, went to Canyon High as well. When I when I got through, she was still in junior high, so. That's <laughs> true. Little, is it? <laughs> yes. That's, that's actually pretty awesome. You know, that's not near as huge a gap, though. My dad and my stepmom, they're, I think, 15, 16 years apart. And so uh, it's kind of interesting. I have a sister that's six years older than me, but my youngest little brother is 26 years younger than me. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And so he is only several, like, I think two, two and a half years older than my oldest daughter. Okay. <laughs> wow. So it gets a little confusing yeah. around yeah. the Taylor family. <laughs> it does. So, well, first of all, you know, I, I, I just kind of want to dig a little bit into how we met and, and then just, I guess you guys, um, Tommy or somebody knew that you guys had fostered. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Right. And uh, Gwen Hicks, I believe was her name, came and spoke to the church. Right. So first, kind of tell us a little bit about that. I mean, what is, she asked us to come and uh, do something about Amarillo Angels or something to that effect. So maybe first you kind of share a little bit even about what that is. Sure. Amarillo Angels is an organization that basically comes around foster families cares for them, loves on them um, through practical support, uh, fun events, um, just an organization to help lift foster families up during a tough time in their life. Well, from everything that I heard, so you guys, uh, we, so we had a, a luncheon to kind of for the, uh, the life groups and stuff, the, the leaders to, so we kind of understood a little bit the importance of why we should come around and love all these people. Uh, y'all have a lot of firsthand experiences to why that might be important. So share with us. I, I just, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. Sure. You guys were a foster family. We are. Right. Um, but if you can, I'd like to back up a little bit because uh, you guys, I have a little bit of an edge on you here because you did share some with us in our life group. And so I know a little bit, you always kind of wanted a large family. Mm-hmm. 
And y'all started a family. Um, Courtney was born. Um, and then there was a period where finally, you know, the big family thing kind of changed gears in the way that y'all saw it. And God introduced y'all or put the idea in whose head about fostering? Probably mine. Uh, first of all, when I was uh, about 10 years old, my parents fostered for almost two years. Um, and so from, from the time that I was a young girl, I always thought that would be really cool to do. Um, Johnny had no interest, <laughs> no interest at all. Um, so I'll let him share uh, why we eventually made the decision to foster and, the, and what took place in order to get yeah, us so there. I think it's important. So, okay, so what, how did that switch get flipped? Well, you know, when I was growing up, I'd known some people who had uh, adopted some children, and, and it had not gone, gone well at all. And looking back, obviously, they didn't have the knowledge of, of how to deal with these uh, children back then. But we lived in Santa Fe for a while, and I knew a, a policeman over there. And, uh, you know, they New Mexico had so many issues. He would go pick up a child out of a domestic abuse situation, and he there was no place to take him, so he'd just take him home. And he did that several times, and finally one of the kids he'd picked up just really clicked with his family, and he had he adopted and it was a great fit for his family. And, you know, I got to thinking about that, and she had mentioned fostering. And I thought, well, that's a great way to see when a child really fits with your family. And so we decided to foster and enter the Foster to Adopt program. Well, so God really had to shift something there for you. Because, I mean, you, you saw somebody actively, you know, engaging. Um, now, y'all were in Santa Fe, so y'all, but y'all didn't foster while you were there. Y'all, y'all didn't foster until you came back to Amarillo, right? That's correct, yeah. And so how long of a process was it before you decided, like from when y'all were in Santa Fe and the light clicked until y'all said, okay, let's start the process, whatever you got to do to foster? It, it happened relatively quickly. We moved back in, I moved back in 2008, Amy, at the beginning of 2009. So we, and we started then and, and worked through 2019, so we were in there. Well, is that right? 2010, I guess, when we started. Right. It was about a year. Uh, so we did it from 2010 to 2019. So you begin to foster. Um, so what does it look like? I mean, you get your first foster kid. Do you remember when the first one walked through the door? Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about what it was what was so going on there. I think the thing that's really important for people to know uh, and remember, if maybe they've heard it before, is kids are in foster care by no choice of their own. Oh, that's right. And they're in foster care not because of anything they've done, anything they've done wrong. Um, they're in foster care because of something that's been wronged towards to them. them. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so a lot of people shy away from foster care because of that uh, misnomer. And I just think it's so important to remember that uh, they need to be loved. They're there because circumstances in their life were not good. Um, so we <laughs> we got a call one day. We had had oh two or three kids that had just been temporary placements you know there for two or three weeks at a time Uh, and we got a call one day from our agency director um, and there was a child in the agency who had been placed with another family uh, for almost three years at that point Um, but they had adopted some other kids that they had and she said from the moment you became foster parents i knew this child needed to be in your home Mm. Um, so she waltzed into our home our lives when she was six years old we were ignorant. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, and she's now our adopted 18-year-old daughter. So our very first one ended up being yeah, our first Yeah, ended up adoption. adopting, yeah. Yes. That's incredible. Well, so the, when you guys came and you spoke, 
And and there's and I'm gonna and, and if you have anything that kind of comes up in the middle of all this, just let me know. But sure. the one thing that really stuck out to me was um, a lot of people don't realize how difficult it is um, and the, the things that you go through. So I want to first of all, you you touched on it, but basically every kid that shows up in your house is dealing with I would say some level of trauma. Oh, absolutely. Remind me of the ages that y'all had your home open to. We fostered ages uh, four through about thirteen. Well, our primary focus was. I have a really close friend, and they adopted um, a girl that was, when, when I, th- I believe she was two years old mm-hmm. when they were her official parents. And she deals with the red as well. So that's the uh, reactive attachment disorder, is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, here in a minute, we're going to get to some of that. But what's interesting is that she was two years old. So you think at two years old that a child in an environment, I mean, what, what, how much is going to connect with them? But that's absolutely untrue. Those, those very, very first few months, the very beginning of their life, there's so much spiritually that happens there and right. sticks to them that you just don't realize. Right. So even though you all have young children coming into your home, there's a lot spiritually, oh, emotionally. Yes. And, and, and I would I would dare to say physically, um, probably, that has already taken place. Is that fair to say? Oh, without a doubt. Um, you, I think as parents, you think, oh, I've raised or am raising a child or two. I know how to do everything. Um, but when you have a child of trauma, everything looks different. Yeah. Um, there's nothing ordinary. There's nothing traditional. Um, you, you learn along with that child. Um, how to parent, how to meet their needs, um, why are they acting out or behaving the way they used to, or they are. And I remember when we had a foster um, child in our home when I was a kid, and he had certain behaviors, um, and my dad didn't know how to deal with those, didn't understand what they were, and I was always confused about those behaviors as well. But when I became a foster parent, with all the um, progression over the last 20 30 years all of a sudden I understood why he when I was a kid acted the way he did and it was trauma Um, and when we as adults um, put trauma and abuse and all these things on these kids they don't know how to react oh no Um, absolutely not it stunts their adults don't know how to react exactly let alone a child you know Right. Right. right yeah well one thing we learned is a child who may be in an abusive situation uh, physically or sexually, whatever it is, neglect even, um, when they are removed from that situation, psychologically their growth is stunted at that point for quite a long time. Um, I don't understand all of the psychology behind that, but it's proven true. So we have an 18-year-old daughter who's 18 years physically. Um, intellectually, she's quite smart and I would say is more than 18 but psychologically, she's not 18. She probably is six, seven, eight years younger than that still. She's made progression over the years, but they are severely stunted at times based upon the abuse that took place in their home. It's amazing how much um, physically, psychologically, but connect spiritually. And I think, uh, sadly, um, so many people leave the most important concept or piece of that whole component out, and that's the spiritual side, which you guys didn't. I know you guys. Right. Um, and so I know that God was very present in your home. Yes. Um, and I don't know how you would foster from the stories you've told me, which I want to get to a few of them, but uh, without Jesus, I just cannot even imagine. So these kids would come into your home um, dealing with trauma, uh, and you 
Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were predominantly working. Right. Now, y'all had 24 kids go through your home. Is that right? Permanent placements, yes. Okay, 24 permanent placements. And of those, this was the number that kind of blew my mind. You only had one boy. Right. Right. <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, God, had, God had prepared me for that. When I grew up, I had four sisters and no brothers. And uh, then I married and I've got, uh, I had two daughters and one wife and the dog was a girl. So I was prepared for girls. Brother, you and I. So that's one thing. I, so I grew up, when we got, Brandy and I got married, I knew what to do with all these little boys and stuff all around me, right? And what did God do? He gave me four daughters right. and one son and the dogs are all female. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, I can relate to that. Well, so if you don't mind, then I don't, we don't have to expose too much. But I just, I want to. I think people need to understand what these kids are coming in. So if you have maybe some real stories that you might be able to share, you know, anonymously here so that people can kind of understand what y'all went through and what these kids are going through. Sure. I think it's hard to pick. Um, but I think the thing that probably stood out to me to mo the most over the years was um, the kids' response to the abuse. Um, and that abuse could have been drug-addicted parents, or it could have been physical abuse, or it could have been neglect and not feeding a child for days on end. Um, and so learning how to address their physical needs and understand why they were physically acting the way they were was remarkable. But for instance, one little girl we had who was, um, she was eight years old when she came to us. Um, and she would, um, go into these rages I didn't understand them because we might be talking about something you know did you do your homework or you know schoolwork or things like that and it would set off a trigger in her and she would just become like a feral animal and she would then drop to the floor and begin rolling across the room until she was underneath the bed um, and I never understood I, I just couldn't figure this behavior out I thought what we talked about wasn't severe I don't understand well, come to find out she had a father who was an alcoholic and every time he got drunk he sexually abused her mm. and the only way she could get away from him was to roll under the bed and hide um, and then when we tried to get her out from under the bed that's when she began kicking and screaming and lashing out at us um, so you may have a child for a number of months and not understand why are they doing what they're doing well it's a defense mechanism it's preservation of self um, that never even occurred to me that a man would be hunting his own daughter underneath the bed. These are concepts that are completely foreign. I mean, things I, that y'all have shared with us, I mean, I have thought about on a couple of occasions. There's one in particular with just the weight of a child coming into your home on one of these, and I don't know if that's one you would like to share, yeah. but I, I, every time I see my cat, you, if you don't mind, can you maybe sure. share that one? Precious, just, precious little girl. Um, and there had been an investigation into her home life for a long, long time, and it, it took numerous attempts um, to get her removed from the home. And finally, she was removed. She had just turned four, and she weighed 18 pounds. That is crazy to me. So yeah. so they're not clueless as to why I mentioned my cat. So we have a, a huge cat, but it, the cat weighs 18 pounds. Yeah. And so almost every time I see that cat now, I think about this little girl. I can't. It's just, it just blows my yeah. mind that you have a four-year-old that's the size. And I look at how big he is. And how, 
I just I can't imagine what that was. I I looked at her every day and it didn't make sense to me. Oh, um, I can't even so imagine. Uh, one thing we're really good at is fattening a kid up. So we <laughs> <laughs> we uh, fed her. She um, she knew things like potato chips um, and candy um, when she got to eat. Those were the things at the store that she recognized. So we began to feed her and love her. I had to every single week. I had to weigh her. Um, and measure her height. We would put a little sticky note on her chest and send that to the investigators to mark her growth. And over the course of a year, she grew nine inches. That's um, insane. I know. She was so malnourished. She was. She was. To grow nine inches in a year. Yeah, and a lot of times when a kid comes to you, you know, they're hoarding food, things like that. But once once you can build trust with them, physically they just take off and, and they'll begin to catch up from where they need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, when she first came, she couldn't pull herself up into a chair. You had to help she, her into a chair. She could hardly walk. And she well, I can't imagine. Talk. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she'd have been so feeble. Yeah. Right. I mean, no strength. I, I don't know if you guys are the ones that told me this. It seems like since I'm paying more attention and you see things in the, on the news almost every day um, about the neglect of children. I saw a grandfather leaving his, you know, a grandchild in a car seat in a vehicle for days. I mean, I, I just you see these things and it, it breaks your heart. I think it takes a certain personality to do, or, or, or well, let me, I don't know. It, it, I think what you did, it takes an anointing. Let me put it that way. It's a calling and an anointing. Because, see, if a kid comes into my house and I see they've been abused like that, my first thought is, where's the person that did this to him? Because I should like to teach him what, a, you know, a lesson. That's how I feel. Yeah. So it would take a lot for me. I guess I'd absolutely have compassion for the kid, but anger, I think, might be something that I felt like I would deal with. Is that something that, that was common? Yeah. Uh, you know, there was no place to focus that. Uh, so it was wasted energy. You spent you had to, Your time was better spent working with that child and, and getting them to where they needed to be. Well, I mean, that's, that's really, I mean, it's a good word. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can yeah. see that. Well, there was something that you sent me the other day. So I, I kind of, let's break this down. So you guys, you had a, tell me how long you fostered. Nine years. Okay. And so in that time you had 24 permanent placements and you, so share with us how many children uh, you guys have that are yours. We have five daughters now. Um, Sorry, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It got worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, a lot of those foster, I think this is one thing that's a struggle for foster parents. A lot of foster parents, when they bring a child into their home, it's hard not to identify that your child, that child is yours. Absolutely. Um, and you absolutely need to love them and care for them as your own child. But I think the magnitude of the fact that a woman gave birth to that child and didn't abort her, um, that's not lost on me. Yeah. Um, and I, I applaud them for doing that. They, they made some huge mistakes in their life with those kids. Um, but they're here today, and they're, they're worth redeeming um, because we were redeemed uh, as Christians. Exactly our, right. our Lord and Savior redeemed us, and so that was our job was to redeem those children. Um, and it is a hard task. Um, it's one, uh, I, frankly, I think I was cut out for that because I'm as stubborn as a mule. Uh, <laughs> Would you agree and, with that, Johnny? I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh-huh. a persistent, perhaps, let's say that. Um, but uh, I just can't. I, uh, I can't look at a child who's been through all the junk that they've been through and think about the effect it has on me. Yeah, there are many nights that I 
banged on Johnny's chest and pleaded and cried, you know, get me out of here, whatever it was. But you wake up the next day, it's a new day, and you start all over. And that's what we taught them is tomorrow you have a brand new chance. You get to start all over tomorrow, and we'll work on this tomorrow. Um, and so we we have not given up on them. We don't no, I can, quit. I, yeah. um, persistence for since 2010 with these kids that we've had in our life. And a lot of the ones who've left us, we still have a relationship with. They were either adopted um, into a family home, and so we still are able to keep up with them and know what's going on. That's good. Um, so... A piece of my heart is out there in a lot of different places. Here in a few minutes, we're going to look at some images, uh-huh. you know, some of that. There was one of them that kind of stuck out to me. I could tell that you were in a courthouse. And yes. I believe that one. Of the, so we'll, we'll get to some of those in a minute. But something you said, y'all, y'all really just have a beautiful heart. My, my step-grandmother, my grandmother, I'm just trying to how I connect to her. But anyway, there's a friend of hers that she knew that had blended family. Well, not blended. She, they had children that were biological, and then they adopted. Right. And... For some reason, people always want to go, well, which one? So a lady had walked up to her there. The kids are out playing in the front yard and said, well, which ones are the biological ones and which ones are the – and she goes, I forget, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought that was beautiful, yeah. right. you know, and that's so important because it, it's, it's not about DNA and biology. No. It's about loving these kids, and the thing that when they came into your home, y'all were the first, I would assume, the first stable people that they ever encountered. That, and secondly, it's probably the first time that, and I'm sure that they tried you on this. In fact, I know for a fact they did, that they were going to see, well, if I push them, will they quit on me? Right. Oh, yeah, that was is common. It, is, that, is that probably almost every yes. one that comes through the door? Right. Yes. Yes. To know if they can really trust you? Mm-hmm. Is And, and what, what kind of results? I mean, eventually do they, you, it takes a while, I'd imagine, but you do eventually gain their trust? Uh, with most of them. Um, there were several kids that I, three or four or five who came through our doors who had been in home after home after home. Um, and the, the abuse and the things that had happened to them had affected them so deeply that learning to trust again, um, at least at that time, was impossible. Uh, they just couldn't do it. Um, and those were heartbreaking. They're gut-wrenching. Um, you do all you can, but eventually I think you have to realize, I, I can't do everything for this child that this child needs. And so you let some go um, just because you can't meet the needs that they currently have. So the one thing I know, so we, Brandy and I, we, as, as I mentioned, you know, obviously you guys know we have five kids, but there's, so as we, there was a season there, I mean, we were drowning. I mean, with, we had three, uh, I want to I think it, we, all three were in diapers at once, but anyway, on the, so we had the two older ones, a gap, then three little ones. And honestly, <clears throat> That was kind of a tough season we went through um, because people kind of didn't want to be around us. We were loud. We're a lot, you know. Now we continue to try bringing people in, but they didn't always want to come back, you know. <laughs> and, and so when y'all make a commitment like that, I already know that just because of all of the energy that has to be invested into what you're doing, much of your external, you know, life probably disappears. Right. Uh, we had none. <laughs> Well, it's, um, it's 24-7, literally 24-7. Friends who don't understand what you're doing, um, perhaps family members who don't understand what you're doing, um, they step back, um, and some of them just disappeared. Um, and I think that's probably one of the toughest things about being a foster parent is you feel very alone at times. Um, and having that support system is crucial, um, but not there 
as much as it should be for most foster parents. Well, so that, I think it kind of circling back for just a second, though, that's why the, you know, if, if y'all are in a life group or if you're not in a life group or if you heard about this, you know, uh, Emerald Angels things and y'all's life group is thinking about doing something to come around and foster these folks that, now y'all, I know that y'all aren't fostering anymore, but these foster families, they're going through a tremendous amount of stress. Um, point in case, we were recently were talking about, Johnny was actually bragging on you the other night, just like how, how you're, you're phenomenal at counseling. Um, I think you're just, well, I'm not going to say stubborn. You're persistent or whatever <laughs> the word was, okay? Um, but, but the thing is, is that you, I think the word, the number you told me was there are some nights you might be counseling a single child two or three hours. Yes, easily. Quite common. Um, and still, um, with our adopted kids, there's still um, sometimes a trigger will, uh, or an event will take place, and you have no idea what caused it. But, yes, you still have to spend that amount of time. So there's days Johnny comes home from work, and there's no dinner on the table, and the laundry baskets are still sitting there. Um, but it's that life of that child that's more valuable and Absolutely. more important. Yeah. Um, so, yes, a lot, a lot of my time spent pouring into them. So you guys stepped back from fostering uh, when? A couple of years back? A couple of years. Uh-huh. But yet, through this process, you adopted, I believe, three girls. That's correct. And right now, at the end, right now, you still have. I if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but two of them are in the house still. Is right. that right? Yes. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. So y'all are still. I mean, you know. But things. The difference is, is that they're yours. They know they're your mom and dad. I mean, period. Your mom and dad. Right. Right. And and I just seeing the heart that you have for people is kind of one of the reasons I wanted to actually bring you on because um, I'm sure you've noticed, but we live in a really screwed up world, <laughs> and people are angry. I mean, just angry. I was, you know, so hopefully they're fixing to open up. But when you're leaving downtown, you leave at the wrong time. I know that you've experienced this. Oh, that yes. all, they had all funnels down to one lane, right? right. Yes. Everybody's just so sweet. <laughs> you know, I saw a lady the other day. I, I had nothing. I was in the lane. I mean, she was over here doing her thing. And she was screaming and just yelling and hitting her deal. And she almost ran into, I mean, going nuts. I don't know what was going on in that car. But that's, it, it, it was a good visual mm-hmm. because people like that or feel like that everywhere. And it's real easy to become angry with people. What y'all do is sacrificial. I mean, you have to have a calling, have an anointing. But y'all have, I, I believe that through your experience, though, that y'all have a tendency to see people in a different way. Um, and I think sometimes maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, when you see a person, sometimes now you'll think about, well, I wonder what their past was about. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Amy mentioned the Redeemer part of that and truly – when you're dealing with these kids and when you're dealing with the public, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes with him or what they've been through. But the Redeemer, particularly these kids, I've seen them spit on Amy and yell and cuss and everything else. And she just take it and keep on loving them. And that's what it takes. You, you can't react to that kind of thing. you got to figure out what's going on inside and try to help them uh, so that they can regain control of themselves. i tell you what, what you guys do is beautiful. There's a, I want to show this. There's a, a, a quote that you sent me here about foster care. Foster care will make will cost you uh, everything you have, friends, family, time, even your sanity. But in the end, what you're doing will make a difference in this world and eternity for a child. That alone makes it all worth it. That is an incredible quote. Um, clearly, you would agree with that. You sent it to me. But tell Absolutely. me, tell, tell me what kind of whenever you sent that. I mean, that clearly that 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 reached some kind of heartstring in you to send that my direction. You know, I think it. 
I'm going to take you to a verse um, in 1 John 3. Um, I think this is what's at the, the core of all of it, but it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Man, that's good. Um, we, I think it's fair to say we live in a very self-absorbed society now. I hadn't noticed. Uh, <laughs> um, selfies, you know, all the time. Social media where we show... Oh, look at what I'm having for dinner. What vacation Narcissism, I've taken. Narcissism, I mean. Uh, it's yeah. rampant. Yeah. Um, in order to bring someone into your home, whether it's one child or 24 children or however many it is, um, you love. Um, it's not in word. It's in actions. It's in what you do every day. And you have to put self aside uh, in order to do that. Well, y'all do really well. Well, you said something kind of – so, if y'all haven't seen the previous episode about, you know, just why as Christians we should love Israel, their daughter, Courtney, was on. And she's brilliant, by the way. She really was incredible. I know that y'all enjoyed her as well. Um, but when we were off the air, she said, so she's, you know, was in Israel. And, uh, you know, Israel can be a dangerous place, especially around the, well, not necessarily directly in, but the periphery, right? Anyway, she said that she was near a sign that says, watch out for the landmines. and took a selfie, and she sent it to mom. Mom didn't think it was near as funny as dad no. did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't like that one at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, as she said, from that point forward, she she just made sure to send yeah. those and just that's to dad. right, that's right. Um, you know, but that's that's really I, I I can see the fruit in your home. Uh, I've just experienced it. You know, just and so it seems the energy that you guys pour in. What a lot of people don't realize is that. Brandy likes to say this, and and I forget who quoted it, and she she could tell you. But the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world is about when you pour into these children these are we're raising up these these bright lights to shoot as arrows into the world and to be that salt and to be that light right yeah that to me was one of the things god showed me through that is you know he takes us in with all our warts and problems and everything else he knows we're going to be difficult but he sticks with us and works us through and i i saw that through these foster kids and it's worth it's worth the time to do it he he does it and we should too as well well, the sacrifice. So one of the things. So y'all have shared different stories. I want to. I want to just show a couple of different images. You shared some. Uh, we can stop and you can mention anything you want on these. But um, these are some of your, some of your kiddos, and some of them are uh, your children, and others. I think with maybe some some redacting there uh, were kids at the time in your home. Right. Right. That's probably true. Two of those girls are from California. Uh, one of, one of the. Fathers of one of them was transporting drugs across the country uh, and got pulled over, and so she ended up with us. Um, I don't remember the situation on the other one. Um, and then the one in Ridley's lap uh, has been adopted by family members and just cool situation. I love that. Well, I was going through some of these. I, there's one I'll get to here in a minute, but uh, anything that you – it's just you feel like if there's anything popping out, I'm going to go through some of these, but um, – that was a Father's Day picture. Hey, look at that with all those girls. Yep. I mean, it's crazy how many girls you had in your life, brother. <laughs> a few Kleenexes and tears, I'd imagine. <laughs> yes, there were. I think Johnny talks about having girls in our home is more like psychological warfare than actual physical <laughs> warfare. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, brother, I get you. I get you. 
This is fun. I like. I I should have zoomed in. There's some fun faces, you yeah. know, on that one. Um, that's one thing we did is no matter who was in our home, um, if we were going on vacation, they went on vacation with us. Um, most all of the kids who were in our home had never left um, either our area or the state of Texas, um, and vacation certainly wasn't anything they had ever done. Um, so at this particular place, we rented a home and had a pool. They were in that pool all the time I bet, yeah. um just experience of going to another state seeing mountains um eating out regularly um i don't think they'll ever forget it absolutely not absolutely not uh, it's incredible Let's see here y'all still on vacation on this one yes. or okay yes fun. now there's a, oh, let me go back here one there's a little one out there <laughs> uh i can't right next to ridley yes yep. She's spunky. <laughs> She's the one in the next picture with oh, the mask okay. on. Okay, is this her too? Yes, she she thought she was a superhero, and I think she is too. That's awesome. You know, it's it's neat. You know, you tell some of these stories, but then when you start seeing everybody, uh, it really brings it to life. There's some cuties right there. So right there, the sweet little girl in the black dress uh, that is right in front of you, and right in front of Courtney. So yes. who, who's this? That is our youngest daughter, Sadie. Okay, I thought it was, but yes. it wasn't positive. Um, okay. We adopted her when she was six. We adopted Katie, who's in the, the blue and white skirt. We adopted her when she was six. And we have another we adopted when she was 12. Um, it's beautiful. And Ridley and Courtney there in the back. Yes. So that's something here in a minute. I'm really going <laughs> to... That, that's fun, just being goofy, man. Some of these kids, they never really got to, you know, experience what it was to be goofy. No. In fact, when they would come in our home, one of the biggest problems is they either, they didn't understand laughter, um, playing around, joking, having fun, and they didn't understand a calm, peaceful environment. And that was usually the hardest transition for them when they would move in with us is that it wasn't chaotic in our home. Um, and that they would struggle with that. And a lot of them would try and add that element of chaos to our home. Um, but then, oh, after about one to two months, it usually settled down and it became normal for them. You know, I guess when you're in an area of chaos, you just don't understand what peace is. No. No, that's normal to you. That, it was normal. They did this. What we, our home was completely abnormal. And they didn't know how to handle it at first. Hmm. You know, and most of these kids have, um, obviously there's the elements of abuse that got them into foster care, but they've, um, a vast majority of them were very familiar with um, horror movies. You know, you said that to me one day, and I just couldn't believe it. Horror movies. Yeah. I don't watch horror movies. In fact, I get angry if I ever go to a movie and they're doing previews. Right. I put my fingers in my ear and I look at the floor. I just don't want it in my head. But think about a three- or four-year-old child who's exposed to that regularly. Well, you're opening serious demonic doors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Johnny used to, the one boy we had, you should tell about him. Yeah, he, he had had a steady diet of scary movies. And, and uh, when the sun started going down, he started getting nervous because it was going to get dark and scary again. And, and uh, he, when he would lay in his bed, he would see people standing on the other side of the room. And he couldn't sleep. I mean, he'd wake up just screaming and yelling. They were night terrors, yeah. And yeah, I can't even imagine. I would, too. So I ended up most of the night laying on the floor beside him. And when he'd when he'd wake up and start yelling, I'd just have to put my hand up there and calm him down. But it was it was awful. I think they slept. Johnny slept in there on the floor for almost two weeks. 
would just have to raise up and touch him on the back and reassure him that he was there, that loving presence of a father. Yeah. Um, and and he, after that, was, was much better. Tell you what, just the things that you guys have done. So let's, I want to just go through a few more of these here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I think, uh, let's see here, let's go back. Okay, we looked at this one, so Christmas. And I, I would guess, too, that going through Christmas would be an incredible experience because most of these kids probably, Christmas was not a positive experience. It's probably a... I was guessing, an unhealthy environment. So I have a Christmas story to tell. Um, I haven't, I don't, if, haven't heard one yet. So. <laughs> if Katie hears it, she'll probably shoot me for sharing. But um, she moved in with us, and we adopted her when she was six um, and had been in foster care in another home for the previous three years and then had been removed from her biological home at the age of three. But the only toy that she had ever had um, was a little stuffed unicorn. Um, and then... After she came into foster care, she mostly played with little Happy Meal type toys. Um, and typically, when the kids would move in with us, they knew Burger King or McDonald's. Mm-hmm. That was familiar to them if they ever ate out. They yeah. didn't know anything else. But she was comfortable with those tiny little toys and nothing elaborate. Well, a couple of years after we adopted her at Christmas, we we spoil our kids at Christmas. That's just, we do. We have fun. We love it. We've always done that, and we have always will. Um, but we bought her, uh, I guess, monkey bar, gym, you know, one of those big dome-shaped gym dome yeah, gyms. Yeah, exactly. What about, yeah. Um, obviously, we couldn't put it together, but we had this massive box that this gym was in, and it was her turn for a gift, and so we brought that in the room and let her open it, and she rejected it. She hmm. didn't want that. Um, she didn't know how to receive um, something big and elaborate and fun. Now, years later, she talks about it and shakes her head and says, oh, I was so stupid. I should have taken it off. <laughs> but, but she never had. Um, she had never been blessed. She had never been given anything other than a little bitty trinket that came in a fast food meal. And she didn't understand how to receive. And so I think that's another element of what we teach or what we taught the kids is I want to bless you. Um, just like our Heavenly Father wants to bless us, and He wants to pour that out on us. And so I want to bless you, too. That was so difficult for them to learn mm. um, and understand. Um, it was it was foreign to me. I didn't get why they didn't want it. Um, well, you know, it, it lines up with Scripture, though. See, is that our Father lavishly, He, he just he wants to, to pour blessings out over us. You know, um, you think about just even what the kingdom of heaven is going to be. And, and but how he blesses us so abundantly and as Christians, especially if you have grown in your faith and you understand what Christ did for you and that <clears throat> there aren't conditions. Right. right. You know, it's it's, right. it's 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 totally just it's agape love. Right. right? And, and that comes through you and it comes to our kids and we want to just bless. And so what happens is that, you know. I mean, I've, I've taught on this before, but, you know, a lot of times their understanding or perception of God is depends on the father, the, the dad they have, right? Especially from right. an early age because right. he's representing, mm-hmm. you know, a relationship with God, right. so to speak. And it Absolutely. helps establish that. Well, if you have don't have a father or you have an abusive father or whatever else, nobody's ever given you grace or lavished anything on you or told you you're beautiful or you're kind or you're sweet or you're precious. Then when you or somebody gives you a, a gift mm-hmm. right, like that, I—, I I mean, I, I can't understand it, but I guess I can right. work my want mind a little bit to how right. they got there. Right. right, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. Let's see here. I, I don't know if this thing kept going. Let's that, see. Another thing I'll point out about the pictures is Amy is really good when 
most of the kids would show up with nothing, you know, a bag of dirty clothes, if anything. And she instantly would be at Walmart late at night picking out wardrobes, and, and they dressed as well as our other children did. And you, if you'd see us out, you wouldn't know who was the foster kid. There was no no distinction between biological or, or And that's adopted. beautiful, and that's the way it should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. There should be no distinction. That's the way They're precious. In, Absolutely. In the of God, he takes us in, and we're entitled to all the blessings. That's exactly right. Yep. So that's so good. I just wanted to just show what everybody see some of these other pictures. They're just, they were so good. This is the one that I wanted to talk about. Um, so I, I happened to see this one and I was looking in the back. I was like, and at first I saw it cause there's some kind of pew looking things like that. That's not church though. That is a courthouse. Right. And I think there's a beautiful story behind this picture. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's the little spunky one that we've seen in two or three pictures. Um, we absolutely adored this little one. Um, and she, uh, she would be my child right now if she didn't have family who stepped up to adopt her. And she had a cousin who stepped up, and her and her husband adopted her, and this was her adoption day. Uh, and Ridley and I got to go and share in that. Um, and it's pure joy. I have tears in my eyes now, but it's pure joy that she had family who loved her as their own, took her in. They now have three other children, so she's the big sister. Um, uh, it just... I can still hear her voice. It's well. I think wow. that that's really kind of what we need to talk about. Is, is you know, is that that's part? Of, it's a heart wrenching thing too. So yes, the Lord gave you you know three more adopted daughters. Um, you know, but it's not just hard on. There's there's two things I like to discuss. One, it's hard on you because you get you get close to these kids. Yes, I mean they you you. you there's no line of distinction. You pour your love and your heart. You're all in. And then if they get moved uh, or whatever, I cannot imagine a piece of your heart every time. So I think it's important people understand that it's not just pouring in, but if those kids move on, yep. the effect that it has not just on you, but also the kids that stay. I think, though, that goes back to what we talked about earlier about um, we have to separate ourselves and we're not um, – we're not all about self. Um, right. And when I look at these kids, um, to back up, when after I'd had Courtney um, a few years later and we had, we had lost several babies to miscarriage, I had a pastor pray over me. And he said, I see children sitting around your table like mm -hmm. the leaves on a tree. Um, and then we had Ridley a couple of years later, and I thought, well, we're going to have our big family. But um, we almost lost Ridley. Um and the doctors told me I couldn't go through that again. And so then we moved on with life, went to Santa Fe, came back, and a pastor was speaking at a service we were at, and he said, there's some of you in here who received a word from the Lord 15, 16, 17 years ago, and this is your year. And I was quickly doing the math on all my fingers and toes, trying to add <laughs> all that up. Um, and I realized that that word that had been spoken over me years and years earlier fit into that 15, 16, 17 year time frame. And it was three months later that our first foster daughter moved in. That's incredible. Um, so God made us a promise that, and he saw children around our table like leaves on a tree. And there were times our, our tree was full. Um, we'd have six, seven, eight kids counting our biological daughters around our table. Um, but when God makes a promise, he keeps it. Oh, he does. Uh, 
Well, and you know, and that's what it's just part of. That's that's beautiful. I didn't want to, you know, ask you to share that. that I, you fun. shared that before, but that, yeah. that's 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 a really big thing that you shared, and it's powerful. It shows the promise of God. Um, you know, it didn't. But here's the thing too that you had also said: it didn't look like what you thought it was going right. to look like. Right. And that's sometimes we we hear a word and we okay God's going to fulfill it this way. <laughs> I should have brought Kleenex. I'm sorry. I, I'm not used to making people cry in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> um, but anyway, the the thing that y- y'all did is it, it's beautiful though. It was different than what you thought, but it was beautiful. Well, totally different. Never dreamed that we would do what we did. But wow, what a rewarding thing it was. I think the thing that's important to remember too, and I looked up some stats um, for this purpose tonight, but just in the state of Texas alone, um, make sure I get my numbers right, um, 38% of women and 27% of men suffer some sort of abuse throughout their lifetime. That's, that's a huge number right there. Well, and that's just the ones that we know about. That's the ones we know about. And then when you look at kids, one in four girls and one in six boys in the state of Texas are sexually abused before the age of 18. Oh, and it's only getting worse with all this drag right. junk and all the stuff they're trying to put inside right. the school. I'll tell you what, I'm sorry, I'm about to go off. Anyway, but yes, <laughs> but I mean, that's it's, why it's, we're, that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. Um, because looking at that little picture of the little one who was adopted, no one should ever do to a child what we just talked about. I know. These stats. It's evil. And if, if Johnny and I or you or the next person does not step up and take care of them, who will? That's exactly right. That's right. Well, what you guys did and do uh, is beautiful. I've, it's been a joy getting to know you guys. And it's a lot to ask you, you to, to come, you know, in a public setting and to share. And, uh, but the I, I, reason I wanted you to do it is because I know for a fact that there's somebody out there that needed to hear this. Right. You know, and, and it may be looking in a, in a way completely different than what they thought. It might be foster. Maybe they're trying to have a kid and can't, you know, and they see all this stuff going on with abortion and like, Hey, I want to have a kid. Let me have one of your, I mean, there's just so many things the enemy tries to attack and come at, but somebody needs to hear this message today. And for us to even just know all the things that it takes to, to foster. I mean, I remember you telling me just about feeding an army. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and if y'all go and you're going to help somebody, then, you know, if you're going to bring some food and stuff, make sure it's not spaghetti. That's right. <laughs> Spaghetti's cheap and you can fe- feed an army with that. So you do a lot of that as a foster parent. We've, but. Had, we've had plenty of that. Thank you. Well, so, but anyway, I just want to tell you, I love your heart. And I, I just want to encourage any of you guys that have listened to this today, if it resonated with you um, and you feel like, hey, I want to I want to come around to foster family, reach out to the church. Um, you can reach out to Tommy Spencer uh, and, or just any of the pastors there at the church. And, and if you're not in a life group, get in a life group. It is so important. God created us to fellowship with one another. And it's these folks like this that are in my life group that, I, that pour into me and make me realize that I need to be a whole lot better, you know, but no, they love on me and we love on each other and we do life together. So if you're not in a life group, get in a life group. Sure. So we're going to be uh, here before too long. We're going to be actually doing some new podcasts about, it's called, they're actually going to be called DFT Clips, Digging for the Truth Clips. And we're going to go into architecture of the end times, things going on with CBDC, machine learning, some weird stuff, but we're always going to come back to the most important thing. And that is Jesus is in the center of it all. Don't lose hope. We're excited that you joined us today. Thank you, Crowley's, for being a part of this. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Absolutely. I'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. 
We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.